0: God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. I don't know about the church you go to, but the church we go to, the church that we are God is good. Life isn't always good, but God is good. All the time, he is good. He is a good God. And if we get grounded in the doctrine of the goodness of God... That his way is perfect and his path is peace. When we get grounded in that, then we can begin to sort out life. I have found in life there are people who compare God to their life. They compare God to what's going on in their life. And those people are usually discouraged and depressed. But those who compare their life to what God has said and say, you know what? This is what God said. I'm going to choose what God said over what I feel, over what I think, and over what I see. I'm choosing the ways of God, not my own ways. Those ways lead in pleasantness and peace, the Bible says. Praise the Lord. And so there is a difference sometimes in how we, how we accept and how we believe the Word of God. And so we teach in series around here. We, I like to teach a series. That we're kind of in the middle part of a, sh- a short little series that we're calling Mama Said. How many of you know, how many of you remember things that your mama said? Or maybe your mom had a saying. Anyone? I asked this question last week about, you know, what were some, in fact, let me ask it again. What were some things that your mom said? Shut up! <laughs> well, Gordy, we understand why, but anyway, <laughs> uh, shut up! That's terrible. I did, I did, and, and and this is serious. I did find this out last week, and kind of know it, but. Obviously, not everybody had a great upbringing. Not everybody had great moms or great dads or great parents. And last week was a little bit uh, uh, difficult for some people, and I understand that. And, and And I don't ever want to just try to stir up pain from the past or anything like that. What our intention is is to honor parents, to honor mothers, motherhood, parenthood, uh, because it seems to be a dying art at times. And it is so important that when people are looking at children, as kind of a they're just sort of a hassle. Uh, and they're an inconvenience sometimes, or we do the other thing and we put them on the pedestal, and everything has to revolve around our children. We get the thing out of order, and so um, I understand that. And and so when it comes to things that Mama said, what else? Somebody else? What? 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 Yeah. My mama. Next to me. Right there. She said, uh, you have to focus on what oh. Jan's mom, who was sitting right next to her, said, "You have to focus on what you have, not on what you don't have." Well, that's an important thing, isn't it? It's an important thing we can easily get our focus off. Somebody else, real quick, something that you, yeah. just eat it. You'll learn to like it. (laughs) Boy, that's true. (laughs) That is true too. My mom was, you're going to have fun, like it or not, you know, kind of a thing. So we paid all this money to go here. You're going to have fun. And so I brought some things last week uh, that that reminded me of some things that, and actually uh, as we introduced the series, uh, we talked about two things. One was Abraham, father Abraham. The reason that God blessed him, Part of the reason that God blessed him was because God knew. He said, I know Abraham. I'm aware of Abraham. I'm familiar with Abraham. I know who he is. And I know that he will train his children and his household to follow me. So now I can bring all the blessings upon him that I want to bring upon him because he will raise his children. He will train his children. So part of the reason that God blessed Abraham was because of how he was going to raise his children. And then we talked about in John chapter 6, we talked about the the miracle of the feeding of the 5,000. And there was a boy whose mom made him a lunch, packed a lunch for him, whether that was an intentional... I mean, it was intentional to pack a lunch, but that lunch, what mom packed for him, ended up becoming the seed for a miracle. And and whether we realize it or not, there are things, moms, that you build into your children. Intentional or unintentionally, you're building things into your kids. There are kids that have a gifting and a bent and a direction in their life. And there are things that I think are just, they're just a a part of human nature. But there are things that you teach and train your children. Sometimes by what you say, but more often than not, you're teaching by what you're doing. And so I shared some things last week that my mom said and things that my mom did. And, and there were things that she said that, that, boy, it built some things into me. It taught me fear. It taught me insecurity. It taught me lack. It taught me shame. But there were other things that my mom said, but more importantly, what she did. She left an example of prayer. She left an example of, of, of going to church. She left an example of, of, of fellowship with God that... I didn't know. In fact, there were things that, that really came to light for me over the last couple of weeks. It's like, wow, no wonder I'm like I am because my mom did certain things. And so I found out that, that at times we learn unintentionally. We, we learn lessons from our parents unintentionally. And, 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 uh, and so really my thought is, my question is, my idea is, what if we were more intentional, church? What if we were more intentional about what we teach our children? You say, well, I'm done teaching. I'm done training. My kids are adults. They're growing. I think that we all understand as parents, we're parents of, of, of adult children, but we're still always kind of the parent. We're still always sort of looking. And, and, and all of you younger people that are out there who have parents, just give your parents a break because never, you're, you're never not going to be your, their little kid. Even if you're 50, you're not going to be their little kid, so quit acting like it. But uh, you know, and so, um, and so, our job, our, our our purpose. And then when I think about the congregation here, some of you, our, our grandparents or your parents, there's a, a whole host of kids on the other side of this building this morning that need. Boy, they need some godly examples. They need some great examples of what it actually means to follow Jesus in their life. And, and whether it's uh, Sunday morning, whether it's Wednesday night uh, in our youth ministry, they need you. They need your example. They need your life. They need your care. They need your love. And so those are all important things. And, and when I'm thinking about this and, and, and wondering, talking about the things that Mama said, you know, this, this whole thing, many of you might be familiar with Proverbs chapter 31. We call it uh, uh, it's the chapter of the, what we call the virtuous woman. Actually, we don't. It's actually the title. If you read Proverbs chapter 31, it's the, the Proverbs uh, or, or the, the idea of the virtuous woman. And so the virtuous woman, uh, when I read the very first verse, I want to read it to you again. It says, these are the sayings of King Lemuel. Uh, uh, the sayings of King Lemuel contain this message which his mother taught him. We could just as easily call this message or call this chapter. Things my mama said, because when you read through this, these were all things that King Lemuel had learned from his mother. He wrote it down in poetic form, and now they became a chapter in the Bible. They became something that we appreciate and we understand, but it was things that his mother taught him, things that were brought to life. And so, again, my thought is simply this. What if we were more intentional? In our child training, in our child development. I mentioned the scripture as we were doing our baby dedication this morning. In, in, uh, this is the New King James Version of Proverbs 22. It says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. The Living Bible says it this way, teach a child to choose the right path. And when he is older, he will remain on it. Teach a child to choose the right path. When he's older, he will remain upon that path. Now, there are some things, and and again, trying to keep the main thing the main thing this morning. But when I think about some things that my mama said, maybe your mama said this too. Because I would challenge my mom every once in a while, especially when I was a teenager. And I would say, you know, well, what about you? You do this or you do that. And my mother would say this. How many of you had a mom that that said this? Do as I say. Anyone? Anyone as a parent use that? Do not raise your hand right now. (laughs) Do as I say, not as I do. Can I tell you, that's probably not the best parenting model, the best parenting idea. Do as I say, not as I do. That, That actually is a Greek word that's called hypocrite. You know, uh, this this is dated, but somebody said this that a hypocrite is somebody who complains that there's too much sex and violence on their VCR. So what's a VCR? <laughs> Missed the whole point. <laughs> do as I say, not as I do. Listen to the scripture in Joshua chapter twenty-four. So. Fear the Lord and serve him wholeheartedly. Put away forever the idols of your ancestors that your ancestors worshipped when they lived beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt. Serve the Lord alone. But if you refuse to serve the Lord, then choose today who you are going to serve. Would you prefer the gods that your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates? Or will it be the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now dwell? You are going to serve someone. You have a choice. You might think you're your own person. You might think you're your own boss. But you will serve somebody. And here Joshua is saying, make a decision. Make a choice. And and, and we might think, you know, this is the idea of idols and gods and those kinds of things. But I think that many of you would understand that we have made, unintentionally perhaps, but we have made idols out of the opinions of others. We have made idols out of Hollywood. We've made idols out of social media. We've made idols that we bow down before. We bow down before the opinion of others. We bow down because somebody doesn't like something. Or somebody, we want to be accepted. And so we bow down to something that we know that's probably not the best thing for our life. And so Joshua is challenging the people. And he's saying, make a decision about who you are going to serve. But then he raises a standard. Then he says this. He said, but as for me and my family, we will serve the lord i don't know what you're going to do but this is what we are going to do joshua was making it personal joshua was saying i am going to do this i am going to make sure that my house that my children that my family that i serve the lord and no one else and you know we make gods out of a lot of different things sometimes we make gods out of our children a lot of people put their children first in front of everything I tell you, that's probably not a great idea. God should always be first. Hello. Thought you'd get excited about that. Last week, we were after, after church on Sunday, <clears throat> talking with, well, I won't tell you who I was talking with, but I was talking with somebody, and there was a mom and a daughter, and the mom had her hands around the daughter's shoulders, and, and she was saying, I'm one of those parents. I'm a helicopter parent. I'm just hovering. And, and just, you know, we're just talking and I'm kind of sometimes a rhymer of rhymes. And so I said, well, there's a difference. It's, it's okay to be a hovering parent. Just don't be a smothering parent. And she was, and actually her daughter said, well, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, some parents hover. Some other parents, they smother. They're just always there. They suffocate the life out of a child. They're afraid, the child is afraid to, to act childish or to act normal because they're always looking over the shoulder at the parent. And, and and many of us as parents, it's a good thing, but it's also a bad thing. We don't want our kids to experience anything. We don't want our kids to suffer at all. We don't want them to be lonely. We don't want them to be left behind. We don't want them to be rejected. We want them to make the team. We want them to be first chair. We want them to, we want them to have the very, very best. Amen? The problem with that Is that when we start to manipulate, when we start to do some different things, or when our kids feel like they will never measure up because of it, not an expectation of a coach or a teacher or somebody else, but because of an expectation of a parent. And because of that, sometimes, sometimes we're smothering our kids. So there's hovering and there's smothering. And then I said, you know, there's another thing that's really bad and it's, I I call it othering. And they were like, well, what is that? And I had to think about it for a minute because I wasn't sure. Because I'm just riffing at this point. And so othering, to me, othering is that when the parents are doing other things. They're othering. They're on their phone. They're busy at work. They're othering. They're doing all kinds of other things. I read something this week that I thought was awesome. Instead of binge watching Netflix, perhaps we should binge watch our children. Anybody ever looked at kids and was like, where is, it's three in the morning, what's that 13-year-old doing outside? How many of you ever, this is another thing my mama said, nothing good happens after midnight. (laughs) Anyone? Some of you are here because something not good at the moment happened after midnight. Now it's a good thing, but God is the redeemer of those things. (laughs) So there's, there, there's hovering, and there's smothering, and there's othering, othering, busy doing all kinds of other things, instead of doing what God's purpose is. And we as parents and we as a church family, a family church teaching people to reach their world, we have to provide a covering for our families and for our children. We need to be a covering. We need to be those that are going to cover in prayer and cover in good words, cover in good thoughts. I, I, I don't mean it like, oh, I'm just going to think good. I mean that we are going to cover our children with the ways of God. Listen to this scripture and and I, I think this is one of the most important things that you can do for your children. Second Timothy chapter 1 and verse 12 says, this, that is why I am suffering here in prison. Now, I'm not talking about parenthood, even though parenthood might feel like prison. It isn't. That is why I'm suffering here in prison. I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. How many of you trust God? If you trust God, I know the one in whom I trust, and I am sure that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. I have to entrust the ways of my family, my life, my home, and most importantly, my children. I have to trust the ways of God in my family and home and in the lives Of my children. In the baby dedication, we talked a little bit, just sort of briefly mentioned God is the owner of everything. Angela mentioned it as well. God owns everything. You need to understand this particular point of what we call stewardship that God's the owner of everything. I don't have life without God. I don't have, God owns every single part of my life. And God has entrusted those children to me to steward the gift that is on the inside of them, to help bring it out, to give them opportunities to use those gifts. So I'm not the owner. I'm a steward. I am the manager. I've been given responsibility. I hope you understand, parents of small children, that eventually that responsibility for life no longer rests in your, their life, the direction of their life. It doesn't rest in your hands anymore. Eventually, it rests in the hands of your children as they grow. So you need to teach them and train them how to handle responsibility. One of the most difficult things in, in, in parenting, it seems like we're in one ditch or the other. We either take our hands off of our children totally, and we're just going to let them decide. We're going to let them be the boss. We're going to let them be the CEO of our home. Or we have the other side. We're either othering or we're smothering. But providing a covering is different. Providing a covering for their life. Another thing that my mom used to say is this maybe you've heard this one monkey see, monkey see, monkey do. I I would, Mom, it's not fair. Jimmy gets to go. Why can't I go? Well, first of all, I'm not Jimmy's mom. And second of all, if Jimmy jumped off the Empire State Building, would you jump off the Empire State Building too? No, I don't want to jump off any building. I just want to go to the movie. That's all I want to do. Well, you can't go to the movie. Why not? You know, going around in circles and circles. That's why my favorite thing as a parent, things dad said, was what part of no don't you understand? Because if you ask me 20 more times, it's going to be 20 more times of no. I will always have one more no than your why. Anyway. Monkey see, monkey do. This is in the Bible. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, therefore be imitators of God as dear children. The word imitate means to mimic. Just like a child will mimic things that they see. The, The idea of imitation, the Apostle Paul is saying, I want you to be mimickers of God, imitators of God, just like a child will imitate their parents. And that's why he brings up verse 2 when he says, walk in love as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it an offering and a sacrifice, sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. Children are imitators. Children live what they see. In fact, I think that children live what they see more than what they hear. They live what they see as an example more than what maybe perhaps you might tell them when Shelly and I did children's ministry years ago, and it's still a principle today that that our church follows. I, I believe this, that if you will show a child the truth or a truth, if you will illustrate it, if you will show it to them, they will have that truth more than if you just simply talk about it. You can talk about it all day long, but if you can show them, and, and, and maybe that resonates more with me because I'm so visual. I'm, I'm a visual learner. I'm a visual communicator. I just always want to find an object, a picture, a way to show a truth rather than just express a truth. I use words to try to paint a picture of what I'm trying to convey. And part of that is because, I'll just leave that there. Just, <laughs> maybe Gordy will grab it for me and put it back. It's not important though, Gordy. Just leave it alone. So kids will do more. I think that at times kids end up doing more of what we do rather than what we say. And so monkey see, monkey do. It is a scriptural principle. And so because of this, let me just go back to something and try to explain something. As we, throughout this year, we've used the word now or here, I'm sorry, here, H-E-R-E. And the last series that we did, uh, the kingdom is here. And one of the scriptures that we've used repeatedly over the last uh, several months is, is Matthew six thirty three, And it says, put God's kingdom first or seek first the kingdom of God, but could put God's kingdom first, do what he wants you to do, and then all those other things will be added unto you. And those other things were things that Jesus talked about in Matthew chapter 6, what you eat, what you drink, what you wear, the cares of this life, the the necessities of this life. When we put God God first or seek his kingdom first and then do what he says, everything else gets added to you. We want the things, but we don't want the kingdom. We want the things, but we don't want the king. A lot of people would rather just, uh, I, I think that most people actually don't want to serve the king. They just want to be associated with the king and his kingdom. We don't really, we're not interested in serving. We just want to be associated. We just want to make sure that our life is going to be okay and our kids are going to be okay and all those other things. But as a citizen of the kingdom of God, we have a responsibility to live according to the king, to live according to his kingdom. We have a responsibility. so, I, 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 I well, okay, let me just go. There's some things that I want to say that maybe are hard to hear but are so important in the day that we live in. First Timothy chapter 3 and verse 4, the Apostle Paul is writing to Timothy. Timothy is a young pastor. Timothy is considering some people for leadership, wants to entrust some responsibilities to some people. And so the Apostle Paul is giving him some insight, giving him some information, and he says... The one who ascribes and wants to be a leader, he said, "The one it, it, choose these people. One who rules, everybody say rules. One who rules his own house well, having his children in submission, say submission with all reverence. For if a man does not know how to rule, if a man doesn't know how to rule his own house, how will he take care of the church of God? I've intentionally chosen a, a, an old Older translation because of the verbiage of it, because I, I think it, is, it sort of conveys something that perhaps sometimes we feel. When we hear the words rule or submission or rulership and submit, just naturally there's something in us. We don't like that. And I think that sometimes it conjures up the image of a, 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 a person that, that, that maybe uses, swings their weight too much. Using, they throw their weight around too much authority. Bless God, I'm the man of the house and you will do what I say. No, you're an idiot. I love, I saw this on Facebook. Hate to even admit this, but, but I saw this on Facebook, thought it was pretty funny. How to make your wife laugh in three easy steps. Anyone seen that? You go up to her and you look her straight in the eye. Take her by the hand. Honey. I'm the man of this house, and you will do what I said to do. <laughs> she laughed. She'd never heard that before, but she laughed. That's how you can make your wife laugh. Now, she was threatened to punch me. Because <laughs> another guy did that. He didn't see his wife for three days, but the fourth day, the swelling went down a little bit. He could sort of see out of one eye. <laughs> Might wear the pants in the family, but she'll kick the seat of the pants. So there you go. And so this idea, the, the, the word ruler. The word submit and submission are words that today we sort of, we just don't even like. They have such a negative connotation, but, but, but let me help you with something. This is so important and so vital, particularly when we're talking about seeking the kingdom of God first or putting his kingdom first. That means I'm standing under authority. I'm, under, I'm standing under the authority of God. I have made a decision that God is the Lord of my life, that he is my standard. And so the idea of, of rulership, the idea of standard, I have a tape measure here. And this is a standard of measure. I am not a carpenter, but I can Google and YouTube stuff. I am not a carpenter. I'm building some walls in my, in, in my garage. And there is a term that is called 16 inches on center. How many of you have heard that? 16 on center. Basically what that means is you have a bottom plate, a two by four, you have a top plate, a two by four, and you lay out your wall. And every 16 inches, you are going to put a stud uh, or, or a, a cross piece like this. You're going to put a stud. So you will measure on your 2 by 4 every 16 inches. That stud, goes stent, that stud goes center. And so you're measuring. You are building 16 inches on center. That is a standard for building codes. Obviously, there's a lot of other things that go around uh, that go uh, in uh, to that idea of whether the, the wall is load-bearing, all these other things. But generally speaking, 16 inches on center. Is important, and the reason that it 's important is because the other trades that might come after that wall is built depends on that standard. It depends on that understanding that things are going to be lined up and they are going to be here. It is also important when it comes to the material that you are going to use because the materials uh, uh, sheetrock or, or whatever it might be uh, they, they also they also kind of depend upon that standard. Of measure and so when I'm laying out my wall and I have a bottom plate I have two by fours I have the top plate I can't eyeball it I can't say well you know that looks pretty close to 16 inches down here so I nail it and I'm yeah that looks pretty close and I'll nail it up there and and, and maybe I'm short a two by four so I spread it out just a little bit more and, and or I'm just going to kind of fudge it I'm just yeah you know it's close enough Well, if that's your idea of building, you're going to frustrate a lot of people around you and eventually you might have a collapse because you've not built it the right way. This becomes a standard of measure for building. I I, I use this standard of measure and I lay it out. I don't trust my eyes. I don't trust my druthers. I don't trust what I think about it. I trust what the ruler tells me. Even though I might think I know better, this is a standard And the Bible is very clear. God has given us a standard. God has given us an example to follow. He has given us his word as the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. I am standing under a constitution. I am in submission to the things that God wants me to do. If I'm going to seek the kingdom first, if I'm going to put the kingdom first, then I can't eyeball things. I can't just sort of fudge it because I'm standing under the, this is why I said kind of passionately a few weeks ago, there's a difference between being a Christian where I have received Jesus by faith, I'm saved, I'm born again, and actively seeking the kingdom of God and endeavoring to put the kingdom first because putting the kingdom first is hard. Putting the kingdom first requires diligence. It requires effort. It it requires sacrifice, which is why we don't want to do it. We'd rather just be a Christian. We'd rather just be associated with the King, rather than actually serve the King. Dr. Miles Monroe, uh, he's passed away. He's in heaven now. But but he said this. He, he said when you don't under where a purpose of a thing is not known, abuse is inevitable. When you don't understand the purpose for something, eventually it will be abused or you will be abused or you will abuse it. And, you know, perhaps you might think right away, well, there's physical abuse, sexual abuse, there's uh, verbal abuse. there's, there's, But there's a lot of different ways that you can abuse things. But if you don't, strength for instance, if you don't understand the purpose of strength. If you don't understand that God has given us strength for protection, God has given us strength. Actually, the Bible says that he gives us strength so that we can go out and we can get wealth. The purpose of strength is to provide. It is to protect. And, and if I don't understand the purpose, if I don't set a standard to my strength, I will abuse it. That's why sometimes people are physically abused. If I don't understand. See, God is the one who gave me. He gave me sexuality. Sexuality. He gave me the parts to the car. And I can't eyeball it. I can't fake it. I can't just, well, you know, I feel this way. No, I submit my feelings to a standard. I submit my feelings to a standard. I stand under it. And it is so important. I don't understand it. I don't get it. I, I, I want to be empathetic to people who feel certain things. But for me, I have to surrender to a submission that God has given me. He said he's given us, created them, man and woman. So I have to surrender to a a standard. God has given us words, but if we don't understand the purpose of words, if we don't understand that words are created, creative, that words paint pictures Proverbs says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. James talks about if you can bridle your tongue, if you can control your tongue, you can control your whole body. But if you don't set a standard for your words, I'm not going to talk like that. I'm not going to call my children knuckleheads and stupid. I'm not going to call them. I'm not going to say shame on you. I am going to instruct them in the paths of righteousness. I'm not going to call my spouse dumb and stupid and ignorant particularly in front of my children. If you don't understand the value and the power of words, you will abuse that power. You will abuse those words. And so you have to set a standard for it. You have to set a standard for your marriage. You don't just eyeball it. You don't just do what you feel like doing. You have to set the standard, the parameters. And God has already set the standard for us. The reason that some of you, your finances rule your life is because you never set a standard to your finances. You've eyeballed it. You've done what you've wanted to do. You've fallen into a trap of doing what the world does. You deserve that. No, you don't. You don't deserve anything. Got to work for it. Just because somebody else has it doesn't mean you can take it. You have to set a standard for your life. As for and and, and Shelly and I, we had to make a decision years ago. This is the standard for our house. God, you're first. We don't give you the leftovers. We give you your due. We give you the first part. Not if there's something left over. We had to say no to a lot of things. Why? Because we're seeking the kingdom and wanting to put the kingdom of God first. If you do not know the purpose for something. You will end up abusing it. And if you do not know the purpose of parenting, if you misunderstand what parenting is about, whether you're a parent of young children, a parent of adults, grandparent, whatever it might be, or if you're just willing to step up in this church and say, I want to help. Pastor Tim and, and, and Miss Teresa understand this. They know this. and. Many of you do. Pastor Steph has told me things that she deals with just with a small number of children on that side of the building. It is incredible what kids are going through right now. Those of you that are teachers in public school, you understand the pressure that children are under. I am shocked. uh, Our niece and uh, our son Zach's girlfriend, they both are involved in in elementary education. And the things that they come back and say, I mean, kids have threatened to kill them. Kids have, have, I mean... uh, Using F-bombs and I hate you and running. I mean, just all the things that kids are going through right now. Man, we need a standard of righteousness. We need a standard of rightness. And parents, one of the most important things that you can do for your children is to train them to release them. To train them to release them. Because you don't ultimately... They're your responsibility, but you don't own them. You are living a path in front of them. They will follow in your footsteps. Now, I understand. Trust me. I understand that there are things that children go through, decisions that children make, all of those things. I get it. I understand it. But I want to believe the word of God. If I present the path to my children and I walk in that path myself, my children are going to follow in those footsteps. They're going to follow that path. You see, and I don't have a lot of time, but in the book of Genesis, when I used this scripture last week where, and I mentioned it earlier, that God said, I know that Abraham is going to trust, I know that he's going to take what I tell him, and he's going to teach it and train it to his children. He's going to train his children to follow those steps what he's going to do. Abraham had a child of promise. You know the story. Father Abraham made a promise. God made a promise. You will have a child even though you and your wife and you're old and you will never have, you, you've never had kids. You're going to have a kid. And then God did something really, really weird. God said, I want you to sacrifice the child of promise. That promise that you wanted, that, that child that you wanted, That uh, you're going to have to sacrifice that child. I can't, I can't imagine what Abraham went through in those moments, but he was obedient, started up the mountain. This is weird. I know it's Old Testament stuff. Don't get weird on me, please. Do not think that I'm advocating you. Ch- sacri- you might be tempted to sacrifice your children, but don't do it. All right? But something interesting happened, and I want to go to Genesis chapter 22, and uh, it's the last scripture of the day. Proverbs 22:13. 13. It says, Abraham looked up. So he has, he has Isaac on the altar, and he's ready to, to do the sacrifice. An angel says, and don't do it, don't do it. He looked up, and there was a ram. Verse 13, Abraham looked up, and he saw a ram caught by its horns in a thicket. So he took the ram. He sacrificed it as a burnt offering in place of his son. And Abraham named the place yahweh Yairah or Jehovah-Jirah, which means the Lord will provide. To this day, people still use that name as a proverb. On the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Jehovah-Jireh. He's more than enough. He's more than enough. He is the one who meets our needs. He is the one that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, the father knows what you have need of. You see, parents, the father knows that you struggle with parenting at times. The Father knows that that times patience is hard. The Father knows that single parents, that the pressure is great, that it is real. The Father knows that multiple parents or authority, authoritative figures in their life, parents and grandparents, all of the things that happen in broken families, the Father knows that that's hard. But do we trust that he is Jehovah Jireh? Do we trust that he is the provider of every single thing that we need? When I surrender to the king, when I surrender to the kingdom, when I put his standard first, he has made me a promise that he will provide. And it might feel like a sacrifice, and it might feel so difficult, it might feel so uncomfortable, and it might feel so hard i said this many, many, many times, probably will continue to say it until the day I die, that Christianity is simple, it is just not easy. And we want easy in our life. Parenting is not always easy. But we got to do it God's way. He has given us a standard this morning. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me this morning? Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, I come to you today. Father, I know that some of these things are hard. I know that there are families here, there are parents here, there are adults here who struggle in so many of these areas, either because they have been misparented or underparented or overparented. We at times, in our own weakness and our own frailty, f- feel that we have failed so miserably. And certainly, every parent, there are no perfect parents. So, Father, we ask you to first of all forgive us where we've missed it. Father, I thank you that your grace is sufficient. And Father, we entrust our families and our children to you. Because ultimately we know that you are the giver of life, that you're the one who entrusted those children into our hands. And Father, for those children that have grown to be adults and they're making decisions right now that are contrary to your will and your way, I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you will begin to draw them back, that you will cause us to be able to speak a word of, uh, of encouragement, a word of blessing. I thank you, Father God, that you will help us to see things the way that you see things. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that maybe it's guilt and shame and condemnation from the past or because of what, how we were raised or because of how we raised our children. Father, I thank you that there is freedom in Christ. And so, Father, we make that declaration this morning. I thank you, Heavenly Father, that you bring healing to hearts and minds this morning. Father God, again, I thank you that wherever, whether it's under-parenting, over-parenting, whatever it might be, where there is hurt, Father, I pray right now that there would be strength, that there would be healing, that there would be peace, that there would be grace to receive and grace to give, grace to receive and grace to give, grace to receive and grace to give. Thank you, Father with your heads bowed, with your eyes closed, if you're here today and you've never surrendered, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, but you would like to today, I would simply like to lead you in a very simple prayer this morning. not going to ask you to do anything other than to receive a gift that God gives to you. If you'd say, Pastor, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, but I want to today, would you hold your hand up just for a second so that I can see it? Anyone at all? Just hold it up all over this place this morning. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Anyone else this morning? Hallelujah! Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Would you all pray this prayer with me? Heavenly Father, I believe, Jesus, you died for me. You love me. You're alive today. I recognize you and the kingdom of God, and I surrender today. I believe. Jesus died for me. He rose from the dead. And I make this confession today. Jesus, you're the Lord of my life. You have forgiven me. And now I can live a life according to your plan and your purpose. In Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for these that have prayed this prayer. I thank you for your presence and your power in this place. Father, let this place be a family church that teaches people how to reach their world, but let that world start in our homes, that our homes would be places of light and life and refreshing and great, great joy because Jesus is the resident of those homes. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.